Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 369. This is cold coffee. John Morgan is not with me right now, but you're going to hear from him shortly. We just figured we'd just do something a little bit different. I was already done with my work for the day, and he was still wrapping up over there at the PFL, so we just figured, what the heck? Let's get this thing started. So I'm coming to you from Las Vegas. Shortly you hear from John out there in Arlington, Texas. But man, this weekend, there is so much going on. So much this whole week. So you got PFL, where John's out there. We just That actually just wrapped up on TV. I just finished watching the main event of Clay Collier versus Jeremy Stevens. And man, that was a banger. I'm sure John will talk about it a little bit um, more in detail. But man, if you didn't get a chance to watch that fight, man, it was really, really good. Um, again, uh, Bellator 278, 279 is going on out there in Hawaii. We have Matt Erickson and young Nolan King that are out there covering that for MMA Junkie. Uh, I don't think they have anybody out there for uh, that that small upstart site that uh, John works at. What is it? Um, MMA Basement or uh, MMA Blowground or, or something like that. <laughs> ah, I kid, I kid. So I'm stuck here in Las Vegas covering the UFC Fight Night 205, otherwise known as UFC Vegas 52, Lamoche versus Andrade. Um, man, what a what a cool fight. You know, it's funny. We have so many events that are going on that a lot of times it's just kind of hard to keep track of all the fights that are coming and, and fights that kind of have ramifications for the divisions. I think last week we saw one of those instances where the card was one of those ones where you were building to the prospects. You were building for the people that were fighting for the number one contender fights. This is another one where while neither one of these two women that are headlining this card are fighting next for a title shot, the fight itself clearly has ramifications for the division. Lamosh, who's coming into this one with a, on a five-fight win streak, and Draj, the former champion of this division, you know, clearly for Lamosh, if she could beat Andrade, this has to be the biggest win in her career, at least the biggest statement pointing her to say that she should be ready or um, pushing towards that title shot. She believes with a devastating finish or, you know, at least something, you know, an exclamation mark of a, mark of a fight that she should be in consideration for that shot. That's quite a big jump right now. Currently, she's number 10 in the UFC rankings. But, you know, we've seen, you know, different things before where people have jumped the line, you know, and clearly Andrade, while she isn't, hasn't been fighting in the strawweight division as of recently, um, is still the former champ. I mean, she beat the current champ, you know, so you, you can never take that away from her. Um, so if Lamosha can go in there and get a big win, you know, um, you never know. We, we've seen Dana, you know, do crazier things. You know, if the, the fight with Nama Yunus and Esparza is kind of a, a dud, which I don't really see that happening. But you know that that fight, uh, Carla, man, if she just kind of grinds it out and, and is able to impose her will, um, 
you never know. It might not be the most exciting fight, you know. I mean, if if Carla was able to win, I would think that they would give Rose that rematch sort of action, you know, so they could run it back again. Um, even though, you know, this is a rematch. I mean, Carla has that win in the past over Rose. I mean, that's so that's saying something right there. But um, if Lamosha can get a win over Andraj, that's huge for her. And on the flip side, if Andraj can come in here, knock out the number 10 in the division, um, you know, end up just wipe away that five fight win streak and especially do it in devastating fashion. She's clearly going to jump back up in at least the top 10, maybe top five. I mean, right now in the UFC rankings, they only show her in flyweight. Maybe it's because that's, you know, where she had fought recently uh, against Shevchenko and now she's coming back down here. Um, You know, maybe they don't, you know, want to waste the ink and put her in two different divisions, you know, on their rankings, which is kind of silly, but clearly, uh, Andrade is better than uh, below top 15. You know, it's kind of weird that you're not seeing her in the ranking. But, you know, after this fight, one way or the other, you're going to figure there's going to be some sort of ranking for her. But she, if she can come in here and and do what she does and starch um, Lamoche, I mean, I would not be surprised to see her jump up in there and actually start doing some things that, uh, you know, can move in and shaking for this this division and this this. Uh, card so um but speaking about this card you know decent fight i'm sure john's gonna go over it more and i don't want to really sort of just gloss over but if you can go to the mma junkie man we had a great interview with clay guida man what can you say about clay 40 years old um he's got like fifty thousand fights i i tallied them all up today and it's literally like fifty thousand fights um it's incredible he's fighting a newcomer well uh, i say newcomer he's fighting a younger guy in claudio puelles and I'm sure I butchered his name, but um, clearly a case of the new guy that's like, hey, Clay was great, but he's on his way down. I'm the new generation. And you figure anytime somebody says that, you know, that's when the, the older guy's like, okay, young whippersnapper, I'm about, to, I'm about to show you how it's done. So that could be a really, really fun fight, you know. And we saw Clay we- recently um, really just put on one hell of performance. Uh, he went out there in his last bite bout against leonardo santos man went in there and got the rear naked choke um and looked fantastic santos is not a joke by any means he's super super dangerous so for clay to go out there and do what clay does man um god that guy is he's just timeless man love seeing that dude go out there man and and he's having a great time you know he was talking today about how um the restrictions sort of for the fighters here now have been lifted they used to be sort of just stuck at their hotels but they're not doing that anymore they're letting them out so they can go and walk around you know they're able to go and actually explore vegas again so he was talking about you know like you know like being able to run down through you know the streets run run through the strip or something and and be stopped by fans and stuff and you know what how great that that all feels and you know and ultimately that that's part of the biggest fun that he gets out of these fight weeks is the interactions with the fans. And so that now that they're opening that up again, man, um, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for all the fighters, you know, the fight weeks here in Vegas are going to start getting a lot more fun for these guys instead of just sitting in their, their hotel rooms and just biding the time and focusing Uber focused on these fights, you know, and probably losing their minds and thinking about how they're hungry. At least now they can get out of their rooms and think about other things. 
Um, another fight just, you know, sort of after that that I think is really, really neat and can be a lot of fun is Macy Barber and Montana De La Rosa. Of course, that's geared in my uh, fight of the night. Um, this is one that, you know, these guys have been meaning to fight for some time. The fight was booked, um, then due to injuries and whatnot and pullouts. Um, the fight wasn't able to happen, you know, so this is in a sense has been a really long fight camp for these guys going into the, into this fight. Um, you know, both of them are excited to get in there, but it's clearly another one where Macy just believes that every, all of her skill sets are just bigger and badder than what Montana is going to bring. But man, Montana, that last fight, I thought she probably looked, um, as dominant or at least probably one of the best performances that she's put on, you know, got her first ground and pound. Uh, victory so good for her um i think that's uh, you know it, it it bodes well that the fight could be a lot of fun uh, montana's got a little bit longer length um and height than macy but um macy just man 23 years old man she's a beast um and she's had great competition you know one of the things she was talking about in her the media day today was that she's in a sense grown up in the sport in the ufc you know had her first injuries, her first loss, um, all these just big things. You know, I think she had like one fight maybe outside of the UFC or something along those lines. Along those lines. Um, so uh, she's had great experience, man. So uh, she sees herself almost as like a vet in this thing because most all of her fights are inside the UFC or something. So uh, that should be really, really good ones. But yeah, I mean, there's some other ones, and I'm sure John's probably going to go over this card if he doesn't. Eh, sorry. I guess sorry not sorry um you know the the interest in this card if it was um being dictated by the media that showed up for the media day today um it would just be me and one other watching this card <laughs> because there was just me and one other at the media day today me and alan dawson um dawson is the guy that recently at the uh last fight was the gentleman that was asking Manuir Lazez about his uh, call out for, um, oh gosh, Daniel Kinnaman, Kinnahan. I'm sorry. I probably should look that up, but he's the, the guy that has uh, just been sanctioned by the U.S. and is being wanted part of this crime family over in Dublin or something along those lines. You know I don't pay attention to that stuff, but uh, he's the guy that called them out, and then a bunch of people are yelling at him like, why don't you just ask about the fight? Stop asking about this. You know, like they thought it was really bad that he actually did what journalists are supposed to do and ask fighters when they say stuff. So it's funny. This guy's been researching this guy's involvement, uh, this Kinahan, Kinnaman, whatever, Cinnamon. Uh, <laughs> this guy's involvement in, in sports, um, and then he just so happened to be at a fight where a fighter in his post-fight interview thanks the guy. And so he was just like, oh, no. He was like, oh, I got to go ask the questions. And so uh, he ran back and was like, can I ask first question? And we were like, of course. Like, we didn't know what was really going on. So I'm always like, yes, please do your thing. So uh, very cool. Uh, so, yeah, if it, like, again, if, if based on this card, I mean, there's some really fun fights on this one. But um you know, is is it going to take your interest away from the cyborg fight night? Uh, probably not, but oh well. Guys, I feel like I've been rambling and rambling and just not making much sense. 
I've had a lot of fun starting this show out a lot different than what we've done. Not quite as polished and as fun as uh, when John does it, but, uh, you know, just thought we'd have a little fun and switch it up for you guys. So now I'm going to do the fun part of the show where I get to hand it off to John, and then he makes it sound all good and, and like, talks about, like, smart stuff and, like, real MMA stuff instead of me just over here saying, like, mm, 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 of the night, yeah. So without further ado, guys, Here's John. <laughs> Cold coffee. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I did kind of spring that on him earlier today. I was like, you know, in the 300 and now 369 episodes uh, that we've run, uh, there's never been a, a cold coffee open. And I say, you know what, man? You're going to get done working before I do. Why don't you go ahead and knock out your segment first? Tell us a little bit what happened there. But you do the open and all that. Like, you know, I mean, how many times have you heard it? About 369 times. I bet you could do it. And uh, I don't know. Was he trying to impersonate me there? Is that what was, is that what was, that was going on? That was, his, that was his John Morgan impersonation to start off the top. But, uh, no, I appreciate uh, him handling that uh, as he was handling uh, UFC media day duties earlier today in Las Vegas. And I uh, am just finishing up with PFL duties here in Arlington, Texas. Good to be in Arlington this week. Um, a lot of you probably know, but I'm, I'm I mean, originally born and raised in Dallas. Uh, DeSoto, actually, is, is where I'm at this area, the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. So uh, grew up about uh, 20, 25 minutes from here. Uh, so it's cool to be back, man. I, I, to be honest, I wish I could go to the, the other two shows that are going to be here. Um, but one is next week, and I just need to get home, if I'm being honest with you. <laughs> I haven't been home in a while. Uh, I've been on the road for like two straight weeks, and, and I need to spend a little time with my family. Uh, and then the second one, uh, or the third one, I should say, but the second remaining uh, is the week of the pay-per-view in Arizona, the USC pay-per-view. So uh, can't do that, but uh, did get to do this one. It was cool. Uh, actually got to you know, see some family while I was in town. So uh, all, all that was, was very, very cool. And listen, even though Cold Coffee was talking some trash on me, I saw that. I, I heard that. You know, sometimes I, I could have just played and been like, ah, you know, just just set it up. But no, I listened this time. Since it was recorded before me, I listened this time. And I heard him talking trash about my new outlet. I heard it. <laughs> I heard it. But uh, no, listen, um, he said it, and it's right. Like, if for any reason you guys didn't check out this fight card tonight, and I get it, man. It's, it's a busy one. You know, midweek, I like that. So, I mean, but if for any reason you didn't check it out, Man, go find Clay Collar versus Jeremy Stevens. What a fun, fantastic, phenomenal main event. These two dudes went out and just banged for 15 minutes straight, man. I mean, honestly, along the way watching it, I'm like, these like somebody's like just going to fall or somebody's going to get exhausted and, and can't keep going. And these guys just kept doing it. So, I mean, what a, what a kickoff for PFL. Couldn't have asked for a better main event. Just super entertaining. You know, I see people talking about, you know, fight of the year type discussions that's at least in it. Um, it dude, it's, I mean, it's, obviously it's early and there's a whole bunch of fights. But, yeah, it was as entertaining as, as you're ever going to ask. Man, two dudes just slowing down. Now, you know, I'm a I'm a grappling fan. I like to see some jujitsu. I like to see, the you know, the different aspects of mixed martial arts. But, come on. At the end of the day, we all love it when two dudes just stand and throw down, right? I mean, this was, you know griffin bonner type stuff or whatever right so fun fun main event uh clay collar did win every round i had it scored the exact same way um but it's one of those ones where right where you're like uh, if you just read the read the box score or whatever oh clay collard won jeremy stevens 30 27 across the board well 
that was probably boring. I don't need to watch that. Nah, nah, no, no, no. You know, th- these things don't. These things, uh, you know, don't come across in the box score, so to speak. It, it's true too, because we're talking, of course, with the with the PFL's play, uh, you know, point system and season and playoffs and all that. Like at the end of the day, like Clay Collar just walks away with three points, right? Um, which, fortunately, the way the the lightweights worked out, I mean, he's still right there in the mix. So, I mean, the most that got uh, earned tonight was four. But you look at it, it's like, you know. I could have just laid on a dude for <laughs> for, for 15 minutes and, and I get four, three points for that, uh, and he gets three points for just absolutely throwing down. So fun fight. I mean, that, that's all I can say. If you didn't watch it, go watch it, find it. You know, it'll be archived on ESPN Plus. So you can check it out there. If you did watch it, then you know you're just buzzing just like I am, man. That that was a phenomenal fight. Um, and you know, I, I guess, and it was really cool. Um, you know, Jeremy Stevens did come talk to the media. Uh, and, and I'll say let's let's give the uh, let's give the credit where the credit is due. Uh, ben Davis uh, at Ben the Bang Davis. Uh, I actually heard him asking before the main event even started. Like, hey, uh, he was asking PR, can you bring both guys back? You know, win or lose. Uh, so uh, credit to credit credit where credit is due on making it happen. But credit to Jeremy Stevens as well for being willing to do it. Jeremy is so different now, man. Um, he used to hate the media. I don't know. I don't think he has any problems. We talked about it kind of earlier in the week when we got here. But look, the guy did not like the media one bit, and, and now I think he understands. You know, like I, I think he had like a chip on his shoulder, and he's kind of grown up a little bit. You know, obviously he's had a year of sobriety, which is awesome as well. Um, but you know, now he kind of embraces it, and so to come back after losing, you know, a, a, you know, a, a great fight, but to be willing to talk about it. And to be in great spirits, to be honest, he was awesome, man. He was just saying, "Look, I'm I'm super, you know, happy with my performance. I'm super happy with what I did. I saw, you know, the things I need to fix, which are, you know, my cardio failed me a little bit, and, and I got a volume strike a little bit more. Um, but I'm gonna fix those things, and it's it's gonna be better. Um, you know, what more can you ask for, right? Came back and 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 dealt with it. And I think there's gonna be a lot of people that just go, Ah, Jeremy Stevens lost again. You know, I think if, and again, I think this boils down to: Did you watch the fight or not? If you watch the fight, I think you go, "That's a, a little heathen went in there, and scrapped. He's scrapped. Let's see it again. You know, I want to see this dude go again." Um, but if you just see another loss and you didn't watch the fight, or you know, I, I think it'd be easy to sit back and be like, "Ooh, another setback, man. This guy probably needs to hang it up." I don't see. I don't see it that way, man. I don't see it that way. And Good for him, man. You know, it's it's funny, man. Being here this week, and I, I'm still very much getting settled into my new role at, at the Underground, MMA Underground, uh, MixedMartialArts.com. Uh, still very much getting settled in, and we got a long way to go, man. You know, we got a lot of stuff to do. But the cool thing I will say is being able to kind of focus on the other organizations again, right? Um, I'll just be honest with you, man. The traffic that the UFC generates on all MMA websites, right? Not just MMA Junkie, but any MMA website. The traffic that they generate dominates the other organizations. And because of that, you know, our bosses, they don't really want us covering the other stuff. It's like, all right, we'll do this because we have to. But, like, why? Like, why? 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 We're not getting the traffic off of it. And I get it, man. I, it is. At the end of the day... Those websites are all set up to make money, man. They're businesses. So I 100% get it. But it is so nice to, to to be in a place where there's freedom to kind of focus on whatever. I'm pumped about this 
one championship card that's coming up on, on, on Friday morning, right? Uh, first of all, Masakazu Imanari is on there. Come on. Imanari is grappling? I'm in. When, you know, when you got moves named after you, you know, you're somebody. And everybody knows what a legend Imanari is, right? Um, then you got like this, it's Muay Thai. And, and, and again, like I, I will not pretend that like I follow the Muay Thai scene religiously. Like I don't know these names, but I'm learning them again, man. And I have a spot, I have a passion in my heart for Muay Thai. It's, it's, um, if you've ever heard my, my story of how I got into MMA, Muay Thai played a big part of it, right? Because, uh, I, and I'll just give the brief version for people who have heard before, but I was a pro wrestling fan when I was like eight or nine years old, uh, figured out, uh, obviously that it wasn't real. That broke my heart because I thought they were real. And I was like, well, I don't know what now, uh, Guy Mesger was opening a gym in Dallas. So I went to the gym opening and he had VHS tapes playing of Muay Thai. Uh, this is before he competed in the UFC, before he competed in Pancras, um, so you're talking about very, very early on, right? And I saw Muay Thai fights, and I was like, oh, that's what a fight looks like, dude. Like, what? Okay, I'm in. You know, like, this is awesome. And obviously, didn't have grappling, but, you know, it's it's not just boxing. You're throwing the kicks, the elbows, the knees, all that. So I was like, this is amazing. And, you know, it's in a, it's in a, it was in a, a stadium in Thailand. So, you know, they're playing the sound and the music and all that. I'm like, I'm a kid, man. I'm like an 11-year-old kid or something. I've never seen this stuff. I was like, this is amazing. So I still have a, a real passion, um, soft spot in my heart for Muay Thai. But anyway, there's a 17-year-old Swedish kid in the co-main event fighting for a world title, right? I mean, that's insane. Uh, Anissa Mexen is on there who's, uh, you know, widely regarded as the best female striker on the planet. So anyway, pump for one championship. But pump for, pump for PFL, man. And to be around, um, this is the first time I've covered a PFL event since 2019, um, and that was even in Vegas, so it wasn't like on-site coverage. It was just me driving from my house to the hotel, right? I Man, I will say, being around these people this week, uh, being around the organization, uh, man, you got a lot of like. There's a lot of dedicated, happy people that are excited about what's being built here. So um, I don't know, man. It was cool to see it up close. Um, you know, it, it, look, they know they're not going to be the UFC. They're not trying to be the UFC, but they got a hell of a platform with ESPN, ESPN Plus. And there's a lot of, uh, um, like I said, like really dedicated, happy people. And now you're starting to see, you know, these names filtered through that you know, like a Jeremy Stevens, who awesome man, another place to make a paycheck. You know, that's great. Um, you know, Clay Collard, uh, hell, the same way if you want to look at it that way. So, um, it's, I would say another interesting thing too about being here. Um, and I was I was talking to Antonio Carlos Jr., another name there, right? Shoe face, Cara de Spato. Um, about like like who else do you want to fight you know because they don't get to you know the, the the obviously the playoffs are all determined by seeding but they do two regular season fights normally what they do is if to kind of seed it basically to kind of see that second fight is if you're a winner you face a loser um and, and if you lost your fight you face somebody that won the first time around and that just kind of makes it easier um more equal in terms of the points or whatever because you know if you had like two guys with zero points facing off um, neither one of them has a chance to impact the guys that, you know, both have like six or whatever. So anyway, that's, that's kind of what that's all about, but it was funny and, and it didn't occur to me until now that, I, cause I was like, is there anybody that you want to fight? And he's like, not really. I kind of like everybody and know everybody because one of the things I always said was interesting about PFL is, you know, what I think makes PFL events fun and different and cool is that like, you know, you see like every fight 
relates to the rest of the fight on the card. And I've said this before, but I, it's it's just so like, you know, we don't talk about PFL a ton, but since I'm here, like, I like the fact, you, you know how like, you have like a title fight in the UFC and maybe there was a number one contender fight the same night. So you're like, oh, pff, that's the natural next matchup, right? Like you guys are going together. It's that same thing, right? Like where every fight impacts the rest. You know, sometimes when we go down a card and we're looking at it, you'll have just some one-off random fight and it doesn't really relate to anything else or make sense. Whatever. This does. And so I, I, I love that concept about it. Uh, but it was funny because I hadn't thought about it. Because again, when I covered in Vegas, I wasn't around. I wasn't seeing it all. Now I see it. Like, these guys are all hanging out together, and they're all on the same card. So if you're a light heavyweight or a lightweight like we had tonight, you're all on the same card together, and you're on the same card every time, right? So you're around all these people. You're seeing them in the workout room. You're seeing them in the hotel. You're da, da, da. So there's this real familiarity between the roster. It's, it's, it's kind of cool to see. So um, I don't know, man. It's, it's, uh, it's nice. I'm, I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that, hey, man, guys, stop watching the UFC. PFL's taking over the world. Like this is the, Nah, I'm not saying that. But I will say, man, they got, you know, seeing it firsthand, seeing what's going on, um, they got some good things going. I will say, you know, obviously it looks good on TV. I've, I've seen it on TV. Um, being there in person, of course, this is a new venue. It's called the Esports Arena, um, which is exactly what you think it is. It's a big place that's, you know, built to make esports, right? Like, we were walking around backstage. You could see, like, all the gaming chairs and the gaming consoles and stuff that they had stripped out of the, the arena and put in storage to, to build this thing for the for the PFL for the next three weeks. Um, I thought it looked cool, man. I thought it looked really cool. Like, I do love that all these organizations, you know, Bellator does it, PFL does it, of course, one championship does it. I like the big presentation, the walk-in, all that stuff, you know. The UFC is never going to go to that, and I get it. Um, and, and to be honest, I support it. I mean, I've been doing this a long time, right? And I, and I, and I always say in the beginning, I think it was really important that, MMA differentiated itself from pro wrestling, from these, uh, you know, other things, right? Because there was a time not that long ago where people didn't really know if MMA was real. I mean, you would get these questions, right? Same thing, right? Once I figured out pro wrestling wasn't real, I was like, ah. Well, there was people that were like, are those fights real? Like, and, and listen, that was not an uncommon thing. Like, when I was, you know, on a plane somewhere talking to somebody or doing something, I mean, that was a pretty common question that I would get asked. Um, I'm like, and it's funny because obviously if you know the sport, you're like, well, hell yeah, it's real. What are you talking about? Like, are these the greatest actors of all time? But people didn't know. And so I think that's one reason the UFC really in the early days shied away from it, right? They didn't want the theatrics. They wanted to make sure that people knew this was something different. Cool, cool, cool. But that's not a concern anymore. So I love the presentation. Love, 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 love the presentation. Um, and the big stage and the graphics and the lights and all that stuff, it was cool. Um Listen, I, I, I had a chance to, um, no, nothing on camera, but I did have a chance to have some conversations with some of the PFL executives, and you know you know me, man, I'm, I'm going to shoot it straight, and we're going to talk, and I, I did talk to them about like some of the pacing issues that they've had over the years, and some concerns, and, and they did say, you know, we listened, and, and I haven't seen it from a TV perspective yet, so I'm looking forward to that, but it felt like the pacing was better tonight, I mean, when they went on air, they already had the first two fighters in the cage, which was cool, um, and, and I know they were trying to make it, you know, trying to move things along a little bit faster than maybe they had in the past. So if you're one of those people that hasn't liked the PFL, I can tell you, I've talked to the executives, they hear you, and they agree with you. And they want it, and, and, they're, and, they're, and they're working on tightening it up and kind of really pulling everything together. It's a balance, right? Because 
they know they have to sell the stories of these athletes. They have to tell, you know, they have to get people to understand the concept. They have to get people to understand what these athletes are about. Um, so they want to do packages and they want to do a little bit, but they're trying to they're trying to speed it up a little bit. So um, hopefully you saw a little bit of that tonight. I'm going to watch it back and see, you know, kind of what I think about the presentation itself. But uh, but good. Now a couple of things that I did notice. Um, so there, you know, there's only I think I think there's like six or seven hundred seats in the esports arena. So it's not hard for them to to uh, you know, it's not like a, a ton of tickets they got to sell. And I think they've made it clear, and, and they've talked about this in filings and stuff like that. That they're not really looking. They don't view the live gate as a massive part of their business, right? Like they want to be um, profitable without even having a live gate, right? Which of course was necessitated by the pandemic, but they realize. Like, hey, our product is more for TV. It's for consuming. It's it's we're not necessarily worried about having a million dollar gate or or whatever the case may be. So, because of that, their presentation is really built around television, right? That's what they're trying to do. Television. I will say this. Um, I I don't. And I want to be careful what I say because I'm not trying to criticize too much. Because again, that's their core business model. But I will say I think they could beef up the in arena presentation a little bit one big thing i noticed now they did have a, a massive screen behind us on press row that had you know the action playing and and there you could see you know a little you know the little tiny clock the same one that you're seeing on your tv because that's exactly what the image is i could see that little tiny clock in the corner but they need a clock somewhere that i mean there was only one screen um and and maybe honestly to be funny like maybe maybe not spoiled by that DraftKings clock in the USC presentations, which seemed almost like overkill a little bit to begin with, you know, to ha- it seemed like, oh, we're just shoehorning in a place to put a DraftKings logo. But I will say, man, having that clock so accessible and viewable at all times is big. Um, you know, as a fan, like, I want to see how much time is left on the clock. You know, there's only one place in the entire venue for me to see it. Um, and it's on a screen on the other side, like, that's kind of hard to see. So that was just one thing I saw there. And then the other thing is just, you know, now, again, it's a completely different vibe. It's a completely different thing. You know, at the UFC, you got AL3 spinning, uh, you know, playing uh, tracks in between, like, every little thing. So, I mean, he's keeping it bumping, right? You go to a UFC event, you know, in, in the downtimes or whatever, the music's playing, you got some tracks going, like, it kind of keeps you entertained even though there's nothing going on. You don't have that in the PFL. You just have, um, you know, kind of some down times and some dead spots. And they, they have like some, you know, some in-house music, but it's like this one track they play over and over. So I think they could beef up that. I think those two little tweaks right there would help the in-house presentation a lot. But um, I'm anxious to watch it on TV. After I get done recording here, I'll probably pull it up as I, as I finish up some work tonight and, and watch the rest of it. Um, but overall, overall, man, uh, gr- great fights. I enjoy myself. Uh, Hauschmann-Fio picked up the win over Don Madge. Third round finish, um, you know, was down on the cards. Hauschmann-Fio, the, the underdog story of all underdogs last year, uh, and was having some trouble here against Don Madge. He's a talented guy, a very, very talented guy. Um, and, and Hausch was able to pull out with a, with a, a brutal third round finish. Great knockout. It was really cool. I, I put it on Twitter if you guys saw it, but Antonio Carlos Jr. was doing his post-fight scrum, uh, with us while that was happening and he happened to look over on the side and see the TV that was playing in the press room uh, and of course they trained together American Top Team so like he was super happy like I think it's so cool to see like how happy those guys are for each other you know what I mean um, 
of course, they're happy for themselves, but they love seeing those other guys. And, um, man, by all accounts, Hausch Mephi is a, 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 like a super nice, really good dude. Uh, and so he got that win. So it was big for him. Uh, and, of course, Antonio Carlos Jr. was there talking to us because uh, he had just finished his victory of 29 seconds over Dellen Monte. You know, I, it, it was funny because, I, you know, Dellen Monte on paper came in at 8-1, like seven first-round finishes. I was like, oh, this dude might be somebody to pay attention to. And I like this attitude. He had, like, this intensity about him. Um, but, man, uh, shoe face rocked him, um, hurt him. Got him to the floor, tapped him out. I mean, just unbelievable stuff. Unbelievable stuff. Great, great, great performance there. Uh, Olivia Aubin Mercier picked up uh, the decision win over at Natan Schultz. Um, I saw a lot of people. Now, I, listen, I, I was not doing a full play by play. I was working at the time. I was doing my thing. So I was not, I'll be honest with you, I was not doing like the play by play level of intensity of watching. But I thought Natan Schultz won this fight. Um, but I like Olivia Abbey and Mercier, man. Good for him. He's having some success post UFC. Uh, he's just such a damn character, man. He is, he is hilarious. Uh, Jeremy Stevens actually said that, that he talked to him. It was funny because all he said was that Canadian guy. <laughs> so Jeremy Stevens had no idea. He was like that Canadian guy. I talked to him, and I was like, and, and he said like, I'll see you soon. And Olivia was like, Oh, hey, oh, hold not. And he was, he gave his little French Canadian accent or whatever. But it was, it was. Uh, pretty funny but close fight i mean i'm not sitting here saying robbery but watching live i thought so they won um but olivia Aubin mercier uh gets the nod cory Hendricks, uh which Corey's a dude that's been around the game for a while man uh knowing him as, as a las vegas guy for a while uh, gets a win over miliana sorty um big win there former champ um ray cepho said afterwards he, he heard that sorty either came in with a knee injury or suffered any injury during the fight, uh, did say, look, I'm not trying to minimize. In fact, it was funny because Ray was saying, and, and Ray, obviously, a long-time Vegas guy, too. He's known Corey forever. Like, Corey's been around, you know, Shrink Tour and uh, just around them for a long time. Um, and he even said, because, you know, the people were talking about what a massive upset it was, and he's like, dude, I don't understand those odds. Like, those are people that don't know Corey Hendricks, man. Like, that dude's a live dog, so – uh, big win for him though, man. Corey is kind of, like I say, he's a good dude. He's been around the game for a long time. Uh, got the big win here. Alex Martinez got the win over Stevie Ray, spoiling the return, uh, from, uh, retirement for Stevie Ray. So big win for Alex Martinez. Uh, probably the only like slow card, I guess, or slow fight. Uh, Martin Hamlet, uh, against Theodorus Astolius. Uh, got the decision win there. Uh, incredibly heavy wrestling. Um, one of the, you know, and no disrespect to uh, Martin Hamlet, but one of the kind of slower results of the night. Um, Theodorus Oxtolius, by the way, is a scary looking dude. Somebody, somebody from PFL called him a a light heavyweight Patty Pimblet. I'm like, yeah, but like a Patty Pimblet with like a like something scary going on. <laughs> I don't know, man. He's uh he's got like this weird look in his eyes. Oh, dude, how about Amari Akhmedov? Honestly, that's like a performance of the night bonus right there. Destruction of Victor Pesta. Um Akhmedov. Like again, that dude, cardio has always been an issue for him, but um he's a beast and when he's on, he's scary. Um even you know, it's funny, Antonio Carlos Jr. he was like, dude, like he's like we we train together. And I don't mean like we're in the same gym and 
you know, we see each other on the mats. Like, that's one of my main training partners. He's like, that dude is a killer. I, I, I knew what was going to happen. Like, I knew he was going to do something amazing. Um, it's pretty interesting to hear them talk about it. Like, well, what if you guys have to fight? And they're like, well, I mean, it's the PFL, so if we have to, we have to. You know, it is. Like, the season, the playoffs, they play out the way they do. And I'm, I'm not going to try to take a, an opportunity from somebody. But, you know. That, that's that's one that's something a situation to keep an eye on. Uh, Rob Wilkinson picked up the win over Brucey Soto. Uh, you know, big win for him there as well. Nice finish there, and a nice start out with Simeon Powell. What a cool story, right? The Simeon Powell kid from England um, got a got a contract on the on the Challenger Series two and a half weeks ago. Uh, flies home to England, and they're like, hey, by the way, we got a you know, it's, it's non non season fight, but we got a showcase fight for you if you want to fly back. So. Literally, from what I understand, he got a win, uh, hung out in Florida for a couple of days because those fights were in Florida uh, for like two or three days, flew home to England, and then had to fly back the next day. Uh, and did it and, and came in and got a big win. Uh, was, was struggling early. Was struggling early against Clint Williams. Clint Williams was having some success um, and then just caught him with a big knee. I mean, vicious knee. Uh, not Clint Williams, out cold. So, Simeon Powell. Uh, a prospect to watch. Now, Ray Seffo did say, you know, not trying to rush him. This guy's kind of a, a developmental deal. Um, so we're not going to rush him, and, and, and we'll see what happens next. So, uh, fun, man, I had a fun time. I had a fun time. Uh, I wish I could do the other two cards. I can't. Uh, but I'm going to try to make some of the summer shows, you know, the next round of fights, and then we'll see what the, what's in store for the playoffs. Um, good people around here. Good people around here. Enjoyed it. Busy weekend. As Cole Coffee said, busy, busy weekend. Um, obviously, uh, you know, MMA Junkies got some uh, deep coverage from Bellator out there in Hawaii. Uh, Cyborg tweeted me today and was like, hey, you know, we got something going on. We sure would like to get some uh, UG love. Like, all right, we got you, Cyborg. We got you. It is cool, though, right? I mean, obviously, going to Hawaii is awesome, but back-to-back nights headlined by women's fights as well, which is cool, right? I mean, I I, I, I dig it, man. I, I think that's I, – I honestly do feel like MMA is one of the only sports where, like, the, the athletes in, in the men and women game are, like, on the same level. You know, they're, they're viewed at the same. So, um, you know, some big fights between those two cards, those two days. Chris Cyborg, you know – from what I understand, like nearing free agency with Bellator and, you know, kind of speaking to the people like Kayla Harrison and the PFL people, they want to make that fight happen. Like they want to make that fight happen. Of course, Kayla does. I mean, she accepted an offer to Bellator, right? Like she thought she was going to go to Bellator and, and fight Chris Cyborg and, you know, PFL match her deal. And, and I guess they told her like, hey, we know you want this fight. We'll find a way to make it happen. So um, we'll see. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, write off anybody uh, in Arlene Blancow, like, facing Chris Cyborg. But, yeah, Chris Cyborg's a monster. Um, so we'll see. I, I really want to see Cyborg versus Kayla Harrison. I'm such a – I'll be honest. I'm, I'm a Kayla Harrison fan, and I think she has a real chance of beating Chris Cyborg, man. I really, really do. Uh, but the rest of that card, especially that Saturday night card – uh, Juan Archuleta versus Rafael Stotts, uh, quarterfinal bout there, interim title on the line. Kyoji Horiguchi versus Patchy Mix is in there. Come on now. You got the return of Alima Lee McFarlane is on there as well. How about Yancey Medeiros on the prelims? That's looking solid. Loving that. Um, the the Friday night card is the the kind of the, the the same way they did last time when we were out in Hawaii. You know, it's that, it's that one for the troops. Uh, Jornel Lugo versus Danny Sabatelli. 
uh, Sabatello, I should say. Uh, Sabatello, little gangster, bro. I, I, I like that fight. Uh, Enrique Barzola uh, versus Nikita Mikhailov. These are all the, the Grand Prix wild cards, uh, they're calling them. Love it. Barzola, incredibly underrated. Um, busy, right? I mean, just a lot going on. And like I said, one championship Friday morning. Um, look, Jared Brooks on there. Uh, against the undefeated uh, Bokang Masunyan. Uh, we're supposed to have Bouchesha versus Rug Rug. That's not going to happen. That's I'm bummed about that one. But uh, there's still some phenomenal fights on this card. And, and again, uh, Masakazu Minari is grappling. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching that. I think what I want to do, and I'll see if I can do it. I have not been home in like two weeks for more than like a day. Uh, it's been a while. I've been on the road a lot. I'm ready to see my family. I'm ready to see my wife again. Uh, but I get home tomorrow night. I think I want to do is get up Friday morning, watch one championship, and then go to the UFC weigh-ins. Uh, we'll have a, a live chat, live stream, UFC weigh-ins. Um, and then I will be there Saturday night for the UFC card. You know, Cold Coffee touched on it, man. The interest isn't necessarily massive for this card by any stretch of the imagination. Um you know, I do find the main event intriguing. Amanda Lamos, you know, kind of the new face in the division, right? Um, so what happens with Jessica Andrade? I, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm excited by this. I, I am. Um, I'm intrigued by it because it, it could potentially mean something in the division. Uh, Clay Guida versus Claudio Poyas. Uh, I love Clay Guida. I, I love Clay Guida. Uh, just at this point in his career, man, such a fun dude to be around and always brings it. I heard... I heard we might be talking to him about uh, bringing it back to uh, furry professional grappling again, so I'd love to see that happen. Uh, Macy Barber, Montana De La Rosa, that's a meaningful fight in that division. Um, the class the class of um, of the card for me, and, and a lot, look, trust me, I'm not alone in saying this, but uh, Manel Kopp versus Sumodarji should be a banger. And then you look at Charles Jourdain versus Lando Venata as well. So those two... Definitely worth your time. Uh, how about the return of Tyson Pedro on the prelims, man? Uh, an MMA Roadshow favorite. Guy's been out for like, what, three and a half years at this point? Unbelievable, man. Um, crazy. And then uh, Mike Jackson is on there. You know, I like Mike Jackson, even though he beat my man CM Punk. Uh, I, you know, well, he had a no contest with CM Punk. How about that? <laughs> uh, happy to see him there. So I'll be there on Saturday for that. And then, of course, uh, for all you fine supporters of uh, the MMA Roadshow on Patreon.com, we'll have the and a half to wrap it all up. So, uh, certainly do appreciate that. Um, all right, listen. Um, I, you know what's funny is that Cold Coffee touched on it, but you know it was just him and Alan Dawson there today, right? Two journalists at the media day, and yet if you go look at the media scrums. They're longer than any other media scrums we ever had. So how the hell do these two dudes uh, take up so much time that these things are so... I, I, I got to know this. I got to know this. And I want to give love to my man, Clay Guida. So uh, let's wrap up. Let's wrap up the show and kick it over to Clay Guida. So before we do, let me just say, did you know you can save 15%? With the purchase of Brake Best Select or Import Direct Brake Pads and two rotors using promo code 
break 15 at O'Reilly Auto Parts. That's right. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Yeah. yeah. Supporting the MMA Roadshow. We appreciate you, O'Reilly Auto Parts. And I'm just trying to help you save some money on your brakes over there. You can also, by the way, get 10% off $100 or more if you use the code APRIL10. That's for online or ship to home only. You can see details there at O'ReillyAuto.com. We appreciate you, O'Reilly Parts. O'Reilly Parts? We appreciate you, O'Reilly Auto Parts, as well. I'm sure your O'Reilly Parts are fine, but O'Reilly Auto Parts supporting the MMA Roadshow. We appreciate you. Your O'Reilly's Auto Parts. Yeah! Now here's the carpenter. Clay, here we are again. Fight week. Uh, you know, talk about the uh, the emotions, the excitement, and yet again a co-main event. You know, they're they're still throwing you up at the top of the building, huh? Yeah. You know what? It's uh, it feels like home because it is home. We're coming up on it's crazy to say almost 16 years. In 2006, uh, UFC 64, October 14th. It's a date that'll stand out in my head forever, and uh, it's wild to to believe and, and think that we're still plugging away better than ever. And uh, it just it, it becomes more fun. Fight week gets better. And now that we have a little more freedom, this is the first uh, first fight I've been in since 2020 when they started doing the quarantine fights, I call them, if you will, uh, that we actually get to go out and wander around Vegas a little bit. And uh, we're not held captive, you know, at the host hotel. So it's great to get uh, things back to normal. And this fight's going to be just like, Back in the day, you're going to see the old school caveman carpenter dude out there swinging the hammers and bringing home a victory. I dig it. I think a lot of times we forget, you know, about, you know, that whole fight week. You guys are isolated. You guys are set away. How important is it for just your mindset of the overall fight week to be able to get out of that room, to be able to walk around, you know, to keep you at ease? I think we just assume, oh, they sh- they're always ready to fight. They're always ready to fight. But I can, I'd imagine that most of us, if we were stuck in a room are not going to be performing at our best because we're not feeling the best. But now that you are out and about, does that give you an extra ease during this fight week that you maybe didn't get to feel the last few events? Absolutely. That's a good point. I believe that a true athlete, a true competitor, no matter your surroundings, no matter well, whatever is around you, you're going to be able to go out and compete no matter what, whether it's in front of one fan or 10,000 fans or a screaming stadium or an empty stadium. And that's just how we're wired. Because of, for me and my coaches, Danny Castillo and our other wrestling coaches, simply because the sport and the, the love of wrestling and the love of competition. So, yes, I love to put on a show for the fans, but I also love to challenge myself and just go out there and compete. So being able to have that freedom and go run around, like today I went and paid homage, you know, over to the Mandalay Bay, back where it all started. I went and you know, did a few mile run there and back around the freeways and over the bridges and stuff like that. And we just sightseeing and watching the families take pictures. You could tell, you know, some of these people, you know, is it their first time or they've been here before and, you know, saw some fans while I was running. And to me, that stuff is what Fight Week is all about. For the past couple of years, that was not taken away from us, but it wasn't around, you know what I mean? And fighting in Vegas, it's a fight town. You want to be out and about and see the cool stuff and go hit the strip and be out with your buddies and your family and go to the cool restaurants and see the cool things. Because at the end of the day, I'm still a fan of the sport. I'm a fan of this town. I'm a, you know, a tourist. I'm a kid, you know, at heart. And that's what keeps me going at this is just always, always staying young. I know you're a fan of the sport and I know you're a fan of the people that are fans of the sport. So 
I know a lot of times, you know, if you are trying to get that workout and you are trying to run down the street, but how, how nice is that to get stopped and have people say, you know, Hey, Clay, you know, how important is it to have that aspect and how good does it feel to, to have that back? It always feels good to me. It's uh, yeah, I remember, you know, one of the first times I got stopped um, after a, a pretty big win because we were on undercard for a while. Like, uh, you know, like most fighters, our first couple of fights, even after, you know, my debut, then I fought a pretty well-known household name for a while. You know, Dean Thomas, who's one of the better commentary guys now, or analysts and coaches in the game. And then I fought Tyson Griffin. And then I fought uh, Roger Huerta on a um, – no, I'm sorry. Then I, I fought Marcus Aurelio. But I – on a big pay-per-view when Randy Couture fought Gabriel Gonzaga, you know. And then we were coming – I remember we were at the, back at Mandalay and we were – about to go up the escalators and there was like 500 people there waiting and one dude's like oh my god it's click we didn't me and my coach we had never experienced that yet you know what i mean and we were already a few fights into the ufc under fought some pretty good names but then i think that's when we started to get recognition and then joe silva offered me the main event against roger huerta and then that kind of escalated us into a different um i guess level of you know fans and stuff like that so and to this day, the, the first fan and the single fan, doesn't matter what age or what, they're still as important as a group of, of 10,000 fans, you know. And real quick story, and I'll stop rambling. I remember there was a, the first Chicago, first Illinois fights, actually, in Rosemont at the uh, Rosemont, uh, Rosemont Horizon where I used to wrestle when I was little, seven, eight years old. Um, it was when Anderson Silva fought um, Talis Latis, I believe, back in, like, UFC – I can't remember, but I know it wasn't in, it wasn't in the city. It was by O'Hare Airport, and uh, we were leaving the stadium, and I had just beat Mac Danzig like a month earlier than that. And then um, I was with a couple of my buddies, my manager at the time, and we saw George St. Pierre and David Loazzo, and we were cruising out the back with them. And they're like, Guido, how do we get out of here? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't been here since, I, you know, it was a Foo Fighters concert. Before that was a wrestling event when I was little. I'm like, I don't know. But the UFC security is like, here, dude, this, open this door, because if you guys go the other way, they're going to be mobbed with fans. So they open the door. We start kind of cruising. Next thing you know, there's a thousand fans in the parking lot and they see GSP. They see David Loazzo. They see us. And I'm like, here, and he's like, oh no. He goes like, Guida, run. And I had driven my vehicle there in the parking lot. And we were literally were sprinting through parking lots away from the mob of fans. And they caught up to us. We took a bunch of pictures with them by our car. And then uh, it's funny. I had a Ford Flex at the time and we fit like eight people in there. We put all the seats down. And I remember the champ, GSP at the time, we were all, I, I drove, I uh, had a lady friend in the front seat, uh, NFL former uh, uh, Super Bowl champ, Jay Saylor. Uh, he won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady back in 2001 uh, when they won it, the first one with the New England Patriots. And we had six people in the back sitting literally like leg to leg. And uh, we, it was funny just to get mobbed and chased by fans just because of the stardom of, uh, of GSP. You sure. know, they chased us like, from the stadium out into the, like, we were out in the middle of nowhere too in the parking lot. So, but you know what? It was cool. It was funny. We laughed. We took time. We took pictures with them and they had a good laugh about it. And to me, those are the stories that, uh, that make it all worthwhile. It's funny. I'm not sure if you're a, a, a fan of like K-pop or, you know, big pop stars recent last week was, uh, BTS was in town and everybody was saying about how they mobbed them. So it was almost like you had that moment where you got mobbed, like you were, a superstar rock star or something it's fun i blame gsp but you know what i also look back at real classic rock back in the day and think about videos when we were kids you know you, you see 
uh, not, not when we were kids, but I wasn't even born yet, but think of Led Zeppelin or uh, the Beatles flying in a plane of the Rolling Stones. Yeah. And people used to go out and wait for them to come down from the plane. Like those to me are a whole nother realm, <laughs> a whole other level of, of real rock stars. And you don't get to see that anymore. You know what I mean? That's, that stuff's awesome. But you got to think about that. That's a testament to you that people still feel that about you for a guy that's been doing it for so long. You know, I, I'd have to get a mathematician to add up all these fights that you've had, but here you are 40 years old, right? Still doing it still and, and still being mobbed for people. That's got to say something and make you feel proud of what you've given to the sport for people to not say still feel that for you, but in a sense, still give you everything that you've earned up to this point. We're just very grateful and very thankful because the sport has given everything to me. I owe everything back to the sport. And my parents brought us up that way to be kind to others. And you know, our, our coaches instill that in us. And uh, to me, that's, the, uh, that's all we know. And you've always been a great ambassador for the UFC, now one of the longest tenured ambassadors as well. But which is more important to be a, a good ambassador for, for the UFC out there and, and mixed martial arts? Or to be the ambassador for wrestling? Both. They, they, to me, they go hand in hand. Wrestling got me to the UFC, and UFC has been my home for 15-plus years. And wrestling is what kept me here. It built me. It helped give me confidence. It helped me as a competitor. In other sports, too, wrestling helped me in baseball. It helped me in football. It helped me you know, socially. It helped me in, in business and family and things like that. And the UFC... Um, you know, has been so supportive of, you know, of us and our family and our team. And uh, so it, it goes hand in hand. And, I, and, I, and eventually I will ask you about your opponent. But one last question on wrestling. Where do you feel in the United States, before I ask you about the world, where do you feel that some of the best wrestling in the States is happening? Is it in the South? Is it over in the, the East? Where Where's the best wrestling happening in America right now? It's a combination of the of the East Coast, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and I believe Illinois is right up there. Top top three, top five, and then another state that's always been one of the best is California. They have a, a one-class system, some of the toughest, most slick wrestlers ever. So I'll say California's top five with Illinois, but Pennsylvania, Ohio, and obviously Iowa, New York. But um, it, you, you get different styles. You know, you get the grinders, the guys that ride on top out, out east and in the Midwest, and then you get the slicksters and uh, the takedown guys and very good on their feet and very creative out on the West Coast. And if you guys don't know, next week is the U.S. Open, the Senior Nationals, which is going to be some of the best talent in the U.S., vying for a spot on the world teams and uh, uh, eventually the, the Olympic teams in this next circuit. Any names that somebody should pay attention if they if they watch that one? Man, some of my favorites. Uh, Yanni Diamakahalis, Dayton Fix, who's with Vayner Sports, our same management company, Jaden Cox, Kyle Snyder, Alex Deeringer, uh, Zane Rutherford, Burroughs might be competing. He might already, Burroughs might already have a, a seed because he just won his worlds again. David Taylor, Kyle Dake, the, the list goes on and on. Um, there's a bunch of guys I helped, used to help out at, uh, you know, Montini Catholic and help out at uh, Izzy Style Wrestling. So uh, he'll have a bunch of, uh, bunch of up and comers and a bunch of studs that are competing too. So uh, yeah, keep an eye out for those guys. And man, I can't wait to uh, catch some, uh, some wrestling next week as well after a big win. Awesome. I guess jumping, jumping into this one, uh, when you're given this name, when you're given this matchup, did you know anything about him? And what were your initial thoughts when, when, you, when you got this fight? I don't think my coaches or any of us really had a clue about him, except we found out that he fought on the same card as we did December 4th, that he fought um, uh, Gritzmacher and uh, yep. 
it was really hard to find film on him actually for a while. We were, I was only able to find the first round of that fight. We had to do some digging, do some research, found some film. And um, yeah, definitely poses similar threats that every tall, lanky athlete southpaw that we fight does. You know what I mean? Everyone's taller than us. Everyone's bigger than us. Most of them are faster than us. Most of them, all of them are younger than us. But I'll always take experience. I'll always take wrestling over any martial art. Now, he also see, he seems like a guy that comes in and he wants to tout the, the youth. The youth will prevail over the older guy, you know. He, he gives you credit for your cardio, gives you credit for your wrestling. But besides that, he, he feels that his strengths are better in every other area. But he also was, was quick to tout the youth. Is that kind of the, um, the mistake of youth to always say that, oh, yeah, you might be young, you might be pretty, but that doesn't win the day? Yep. No, I wouldn't say that's a, a mistake by them. I think that's confidence. That's a, a good sign of, you know what I mean, of an athlete, of a, of, uh, of a championship mindset. So good for him. And um, you know what? Most of my opponents are more polished. <laughs> they have better form. They have better technique than I do. But when it comes down to it, it's just a cage fight, man. And uh, when you get in there with the, a junkyard dog like myself, man, it's going to be an ugly fight and we're going to get our hand raised somehow. I'll always take experience over youth. And looking quickly on just like what are some of his submissions, he seems to be dangerous on the ground. He's got knee bar, real naked choke, arm bar. When you, pay, when you face an opponent like that, does your excitement level ratchet up because you want to show how your wrestling can counter all those sort of things? And if they never even give them a chance, you know, I think we saw that in the last fight and the guy had submission skills, but you never gave him that opportunity. 100%. Yeah. The, the things that coach Danny Castillo and his wrestling pedigree, his jujitsu, he's a black belt, the things that we've been working on, what we did against Mark Madsen, we're the only one that's been able to execute that game plan against Mark Madsen. I'm pretty sure he's taken everybody down. He's clinched everybody. He's had his way with everybody. What we did to Leonardo, uh, Leonardo Santos, who was an X amount time world champion. Uh, he had only been taken down a couple times in the UFC. He only had, I don't know, a couple losses in the UFC. I didn't know much about him because you know what? I leave that up to the gentleman behind you. I leave that up to coach Danny, coach Joey, coach Uriah. You know what I mean? Our coaching staff, they're the ones that do the research I simply get to go out and execute the game plan. You know what I mean? So they have the hard job. I get the fun part. And what we've been doing in there in these past, you know, I think coach has been in my corner for almost five years now is you've seen my game, you know, continue to evolve. And it's all because of wrestling base, because of our trainers and with the time they put in. And uh, we're, you're, you're not going to see any difference, you know, come Saturday night. We're going to go out there and – you're going to have a wrestler versus jujitsu guy, a wrestler versus a grappler, and uh, we're going to put a ground and pound clinic on. You know, I think, I think everybody always accepts the fact that Team Alpha Male's a top level gym, you know, but you, do you ever think that people don't give you guys, the coaching staff, enough credit for the stuff that they're doing over there? I know that you're close because you're part of the Team Alpha Male, but you always hear about, oh, this big mega gym here, this big mega gym here. Do you think that the coaching staff there at, at Alpha Male is getting the, enough credit for the work that they're doing i don't know if i can speak on that um i don't think that uh, i think maybe we like it like that because the head coaches over there are mainly uh wrestling pedigree and the mindset of wrestlers or i guess the, our background is the sport you don't really get a whole lot of recognition growing up in wrestling going to tournaments sitting there for eight nine hours all day you know what i mean wrestling a few matches and getting a dinky little medal or whatever, but what goes into those medals yeah. is something you take with you the rest of your life. So 
getting the recognition. I can't speak on that for my coaches or the coaching staff, but I know we, um, you know, we cherish the time that they give us and, you know, we owe everything to them. And, uh, you know, what the media says, I mean, look at, we, we prove it in the ring. We prove it in the cage and look at, uh, look at our record compared to other gyms, compared to other, you know, uh, you know, big names. It speaks for itself. That's great. Um, looking at this fight, is is getting a win enough here, or are you hoping to go out there and get a devastating finish? You know, maybe prove to the young guy that it's not just about being young. You know, what's the goal for this particular fight? Always, and you know what? A lot of people don't know this. It's contract time. This is the last fight of a four fight deal, so I don't have to prove it. There's no pressure on me, but I want to prove to you know Dana White to Sean Shelby, to the rest of the, you know, the UFC world, the fans that, uh, that I'm here to stay, that I'm getting better at 40. And like coach Danny, I always say the best is yet to come, man. And, um, we're going to get another contract in there. We're going to go out there and, uh, and look for a finish. Like we always do. You got any good fishing in lately? Not enough. And, uh, no pun intended, but, uh, coach Danny, and coach Joey have been reeling me in, uh, keeping me off the water a little bit more during camp because, I'm out there at training camp for a reason. They know when I need to go get on the water a little bit and they'll kind of, you know, let the line out, if you will, a little bit, you know, and uh, they can tell when I'm, you know, I'm getting antsy and I need to, I need some time on the water. So, but uh, we're there to win fights. I love Sacramento because I can pick up and go fishing within a half an hour. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, we're there to uh, just ride this thing into the sunset, man. You know, being in the gym is where I need to be. Your pun game was very, very strong. Like I like that. Um, I guess last thing for me, keys to the victory uh, on Saturday. What do you need to do to make sure that you get your arm raised in victory? Just be the dude, man. High pace. Go out there, wrestle. Show them what, uh, what 40, yeah, 40 plus years or 30 plus years of wrestling is all about. That's awesome. Best of luck. Thank you so much. Hey, Clay. How you doing? Um, Bit of a weird question for you, maybe, but you mentioned experience over youth earlier. So if you were presented with a 21-year-old version of yourself, could you kick that guy's ass? hundred <laughs> percent. Because I know <laughs> I was probably drinking a beer at 21 on, you know, during fight week. And uh, now, yeah, just drinking water. So, uh, yeah, just more, uh, more clever now. We've got more experience under our belt, obviously. And, uh, yeah, I'm in much better shape now at 40 than I was in 21. And in 21, I was working on a fishing boat in Alaska. So now I'm on a, you know, on a training mat every day. At, at what age do you think you might struggle against yourself where physical prime might outweigh, <laughs> it, you know, skill development, that junkyard dog mentality you said you have and can bring and the experience? It's tough to say. Um, I started competing my first fight when I was 23, but I really, you know, dove into MMA when I was 24, 25, we had a bunch of fights and I was in the UFC right before I turned 26. So, um, that grit, that hunger, you know, wanting to get to the UFC and be the best and submerging yourself in, into MMA, you know what I mean, is uh, I, I believe I have that at that time at 25 or 26, and I have that. I've reinvented myself and uh, rededicated myself now at 40, and I'm in better shape now than I was at that age. So, yeah, like I said, I'll take experience in wrestling over youth. It seems like this sport's so young that it evolves nearly constantly so since you made your debut almost 20 years ago what have been the biggest changes you've seen in the sport maybe more from a technical side rather than the obvious popularity growth 100 percent, yeah the, the technical it's not the wrestler versus striker or uh, 
or grappler versus kickboxer anymore. It is MMA guy versus MMA guy or something like that, or world champion jujitsu guy who, who can strike, who is also a very good Muay Thai, you know, specialist now against a, a maybe a collegiate wrestler who's got uh, very good striking. So it's, it's neck and neck now. And you know what? It's amazing to see what guys like, you know, Usman and, and these champs have done because even though he's been winning in good fat in, in, in fine form and good fashion, but look at, you know, Colby and some of these guys, they're, they're right there. I don't think it's that much of a gap, you know, at least if, you know, at least for the champions to the top two or maybe the top five guys, that's just kind of how I look at it. I think on any given day, anyone, you know, in, in any weight class can, uh, can regain that, that title. You know what I mean? So there's just a, a couple of guys, you know what I mean? I think that maybe our levels above and maybe, could be Usman, um, maybe Francis, you know what I mean, Ganu. So it's it's fun to see the sport right now because the the talent pool is just changing so quickly and everyone's getting better. I mean, you mentioned those guys and it's like we've seen uh, pockets of extreme talent come from West Africa. Obviously, the Dagestani guys feel like the London show a few weeks back was a showcase of uh, where the British MMA scene is at. Do you feel like that might be the next thing we see in the evolution of the sport where a new region comes through to kind of, you know, put together a champion that we might not have seen from that country or something like that? Is, is that where you think the sport might go next? I would like to see it. It's amazing to see. Honestly, um, Israel Adesanya was a guy that I wasn't that sold on for a long time. I was like, this guy, you know, I mean, check, just watch, looking at his body style, I'm like, this guy is finishing wrestlers and submission guys and i just i wasn't sold on it until he you know he did it to you know yoel romero in whitaker i'm like all right this he's a real deal you know what i mean and uh he he makes it look easy out there john jones to me is the michael jordan of mma he'll, to me he'll always be the best him and fedor hermelianenko my all-time favorite fighter of all time you know what i mean those guys i hold up you know on a whole different level but they to me they were eons above you know their time but now i think the the talent level, it's getting even closer and closer every every event. And I might be about to answer my own question here because it seems like you just love coming back and putting on a show. Is that your biggest motivational driver to keep doing it at 40 years old, 58 fights? Absolutely. It's uh, yeah, Like I said, um, I love to compete. That's the wrestling in me. That's the, the athlete in me. And I just love to challenge myself. Coaches know every time we get a a new opponent, I'm probably either going to be the underdog or they probably have, you know, higher skill set than me, but the coaches, we find a way to win. You know what I mean? They set the game plan. I get to execute it. So it's more of a challenge to myself and then being thankful that I get to go out there and, uh, and put on a show and compete in front of my friends and family and people around, around the country and around the world. Awesome. And circling it back to fight night, we were speaking to your opponent earlier and he was saying that should he win Saturday, you would be by far the biggest name on his record. So thinking of that, what do you think you bring to the octagon that he will never have seen before in his life? Pace, ferocity, intensity, you know, uh, and we're the cardio king. That's what it comes down to. Best of luck on fight night. Thank you guys so much. Love me some Clay Guida. Love me some cold coffee and Alan Dawson just making these interviews incredibly long today. 
at the UFC Apex. <laughs> Check him out. Uh, listen, like I said, busy weekend, man. Bellator, one championship. Uh, hopefully you watch PFL. They got more to come. Uh, we're going to do the best to have you covered. Uh, you know, follow us on social media. Do all that good stuff. Make sure you go to patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. Support us over there. That means the world to us. And, uh, you know, no matter how you, how you engage us, how you help us, whatever you do, just know that we appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Thank you.